If you have your Bibles, would you open them just for a few moments? We're in the book of John tonight, the Gospel of John. And you'll see uh, many, many uh, missionaries and uh, churches that are trying to reach people. Oftentimes, they'll pass out gospel tracts. And if they give out one book of the Bible, they'll give out a little condensed version of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. And it is what's called the Eagle Gospel. It flies higher than all the other Gospels. The theme of John is Jesus is God. And that's the basis for Christianity right there. He was not just a man. He's God. And so the great thing about the Gospel of John is almost every chapter he is dealing with a different individual. So it makes it so interesting. You're not getting bogged down. And in and, and, and chapter 1, it's creation. Chapter 2, it's, it, it's the wedding where he turns the water into wine or grape juice. We'll argue about it later. And then chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus. Chapter 4, he's talking to a woman at a well. She gets saved. The whole city gets saved. Then there's chapter 5. Every chapter is something fresh. I love the Gospel of John. It's a great book, just a great book. We're going to look at one little story in this tonight in chapter 5. And uh, we'll kind of work through the verses, uh, maybe six or seven verses. Then I want to give you, I think it's five thoughts, and then we're going to go eat. And so, you know how Baptists are, food. Food is very important. And so uh, here we go. Let's look down, if you will, for a moment. If you have a cell phone on, if you'd be so kind to take it out of your hand, put it away, put it on mute. And that would honor the Lord tonight. Let's pray. Father, bless now the reading of thy word. Thank you for preserving it and even giving it to us to know more about you. And especially printing it in our language so we could understand it. What a privilege. Help us never take it for granted to have a Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look down please in John chapter 5. And verse number one, it says, and after this. So right here, the author is summarizing. He is saying, after the birth of Jesus, after he does his first miracle at a wedding, after he witnesses to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, after he wins a woman at the well. This is after all these great things have taken place. And we're just on chapter five. You know, up in heaven, we're going to have a lot to talk about. It's going to be a lot of after this. Uh, it's going to be a lot of that. But notice what happens. There was a feast of the Jews. So it is, it is not wrong to have a party. It is not wrong to have a celebration. Some religions do not celebrate Christmas, birthday, America. We do. Uh, every family ought to be good at celebrations, whether it's at graduation or birthdays. Uh, one day those kids grow up and you'll wish you would have had birthday parties and little celebrations for them. But he says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. That little word up is important. Disney thought it was. They even made a movie about it. Anyway, but that little word up. Anytime you go to Jerusalem and you're in Israel, Jerusalem is not the highest in elevation, but the Jews always say, I'm going up to Jerusalem because that's where the temple was. 
So even if you were on a mountaintop going down to Jerusalem, you always said, we're going up to Jerusalem. Because it was always a step up when you went to church. And I hope we always feel that way. I get to go up to the church. Then I'm getting to go up to where I'm hearing the word of God and seeing God's people and hearing from the Lord. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. Any Navy people here? Anybody know a famous hospital in Maryland? It's called the Bethesda Hospital. That word Bethesda is translated a couple different ways. They argue about it. They believe it means house of mercy or house of grace. Get this. It said, and it had five porches. Five. G-R-A-C-E. That's pretty good, huh? Five letters. M-E-R-C-Y. Either way, it's a good place to be. Bethesda. There was this porch. There was these pools. And then it says in verse 3, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. When I was a kid, I thought that uh, uh, said impotent. You know, being Louisiana born and bred and educated, impotent. And I got to thinking, well, everybody's impotent to God. Whether you're short or tall or rich or poor, you're impotent. That is not the pronunciation, and, and that's not what that means. The word is impotent. They were impotent folk. That meant something did not work. And he says, some were blind, halt, they couldn't walk, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Waiting for what? They were just sitting at this pool waiting. How come? Here's the miracle, verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool. This was public knowledge. God didn't talk much about it, but once a year, an angel left heaven. I don't know why. I don't know just why one person. He left heaven, came to the pool, and it says, and troubled the water, or stirred the water up. It was calm. We've been there on our Israel trip. We've seen it. Uh, it's, a, it's a cleansing pool where people would come, and kind of like baptistry, but it would be as big as this room, maybe twice as big as this auditorium. The water would be anywhere from uh, uh, one to five feet deep. People would get in. They would cleanse themselves before going to the temple. It was a ritual cleansing, not baptizing, but it was just a lot of water. And it says, once a year, an angel came to the pool, stirred the water or troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So what's he saying here? I don't know why, but just one person got it a year. Just one person got healed a year. It's just kind of an odd miracle, but this is just how it was. And they knew this. So that's why there must have been such a great crowd of blind people, withered people, crippled people. Uh, they were there just all the time because they didn't know the date when the angel was coming. He didn't announce it. He just showed up, stirred the water. One guy got healed. So with that in mind, look down in verse number five. And a certain man was there. God always deals with certainties. Somehow he doesn't list his name, but he was important to God. 
which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Pretty long time. It implies that this man didn't just show up one time. He almost lived at that water. That was his only hope. No doctor could cure him. He was withered. He had a disease. No man could cure him. But his only hope was an angel would come and stir that water. So he's there. Now let's keep going. Verse 6. Now everything changes. Jesus shows up. Everything changes when Jesus shows up. The waters are, are stirred. One gets healed. But that doesn't help anybody. Where's Jesus? Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie. Now what's he saying there? Now, now this is what's interesting. Verse 1 says, there's a feast in Jerusalem. But guess where Jesus went? He didn't go to the feast. He went where the impotent people were. Jesus said, that's my people. The hurting people. The broken people. Those where something's not working. Their life's not working. Their marriage isn't working. Their finances aren't working. Their child rearing isn't working. Their relationships aren't working. There's something broken there. He said, I can go to the party, but I'd rather be where the broken people are. That's the kind of God we have. Isn't that amazing? And isn't that how life is? Sometimes you can be at the impotent pool. And you can be there, broken as you can be, just waiting for God to do a miracle while someone else you know is at the party. And it's just how life is. Sometimes you're at the party. You're at the feast. Sometimes you're at the pool just waiting. And it seems like life is just kind of back and forth. Have you been there? Sometimes you're in the feast days. Sometimes you're at the pool just waiting for a miracle. And, and so that's this. So let's work through this story and I'll give you some practical things in a second. Jesus saw him lie. He sees you. He sees what you're facing tonight. He sees, if you don't mind me saying this, your troubled waters. He sees your calm has gone to trouble. Your peace has gone to stir. No one lives their whole life just with peaceful waters. No one lives their whole life with troubled waters. It seems like it seasons back and forth. And it says in verse number 6, When Jesus saw him lie, knew he had been there. Now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Would thou be made whole? Sometimes Jesus asked questions that sounded real weird, didn't they? The guy could have just piped up and said, what do you think? That's why I've been here 38 years. What do you mean do I want to be whole? But Jesus always asked them to identify, what do you think the problem is? See, sometimes we think the problem is this, and God says, oh, no, 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 no. Here's the real problem. One blind man said, Lord, that I might see. And once he could see, he says, now let me talk to you about Seeing the Son of God, the, the real issue here. Let's keep going. Now we're in verse number 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, notice the respect he gave Jesus. He's just meeting him, but just Jesus' appearance demanded respect. He said, Sir, I have no man. And the whole world could say that. Why aren't you a Christian? I have no man to tell me how to get saved. Why isn't your village saved? 
We have no man to come to our village to tell us about Jesus Christ. How come your neighborhood is not being blessed by God? Uh, we don't have a bus captain. We don't have a man to come to our apartment complex and tell us about Christ. It's always a lack of workers. It's always been a lack. And the man says, I would be healed, but when the angel stirs the water, I, I, I try to get in the water, but I don't have anybody to help me get in the water. That's, that's what he's saying. Verse 8, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Now you have to remember this. This was the Sabbath day, Saturday. The religious Jews had made up all these rules that were not in the Bible. No miracles on Saturday. Saturday's a day for cartoons. Saturday's a day, to, a day off. No miracles. <laughs> Sometimes Jesus would say, oh, really? No work on Saturday? What if your horse falls in the ditch? You're not going to pick him up? What if your sheep gets lost? You're not going to go look for that sheep? So they just didn't love Jesus, period. It wasn't a question if Jesus obeyed Scripture. They didn't like him to start off with. They were so jealous. And we see what Jesus says. Verse 8, Jesus said unto him, rise up. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And here's how Jesus does miracles. And immediately, it wasn't like the TV guys. He didn't say you need more faith. Gradually you'll get your strength back. It may take 20 years. No, it was an immediate healing. The man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, act it out. That meant the man was laying on the bed. Jesus healed him. The man picked up his bed. He left the pool of Bethesda. He didn't stay there anymore. Let me give you some thoughts here. Troubled waters. Sometimes they come quickly. Here's Brother Bob Stevenson. A fall. A break. Breaks his leg. It's cancer. An amputation. Troubled waters. Here's a Bob Quinn. An issue. He's in the car. All of a sudden, the aneurysm, the emergency surgery. It's a miracle. He's alive. Troubled waters. His brother Steve, a stroke. Didn't know if he had lived or not. Emergency surgery. Troubled waters. Here's the Brown family. A broken leg. Hospital stay. God decided to heal him permanently. He took him to heaven. Troubled waters. My mother, a fall. Hospital. Then, nursing home for months, he decided to take her to heaven. Troubled water. We all have them. Sometimes we see them coming. Sometimes they're just all of a sudden. It's just a part of life. Troubled waters. I just want to say this by way of introduction. Everybody has them. You're not the only one. Everybody has them. They're no respecter of persons, whether young or old or, well, I'll be glad when I get older and don't have any more problems. <laughs> I hate to tell you, sometimes they get compound. And the more people you know, the more problems. Why? You pray for people. You love people. You worry about people. You care about people. And it just never stops. And if it's not your personal troubled waters, it's somebody else's troubled waters you're trying to help them through. Think of Joseph, kidnapped as a child. I think of Moses. He was putting the little ark of bulrushes in the river. I think of Joshua, 36 men in one battle were killed. Troubled waters. 
Ruth, her husband, died. When they moved out of town, she came back as a widow. I think of David and all that he went through. Who would not say that Job went through troubled waters, buried ten kids. His wife uh, snapped emotionally, hid diseases on his body. Paul, the whole book of Acts is troubled waters. He's shipwrecked. He's snake bit. He's stoned. He's lied about. He's in prison. Just trouble after trouble. God uses troubled waters to help us in our lives. I think of George Washington, our great first president. Probably he's a bad president now. Depends on who is teaching you history. As the soldiers were freezing and starving and barefooted in battle, he went through troubled waters. I think of Abraham Lincoln, many of, much of his life, troubled waters. I think of Ernest Shackleton, the great explorer, uh, uh, taking those men up to the uh, uh, Antarctica and got uh, his boat stuck in the ice for two years. Just troubled waters. It was D.L. Moody, the great preacher. He's preaching. Brand new church. And the Chicago fire comes and burns the entire city to the ground. His church, everyone loses everything. His whole ministry was burned to the ground. I think of Charles Spurgeon dedicating his new tabernacle. Elephant and castle right there on the corner in London. Buildings packed out and someone yelled, There's a fire! There was no fire. It was a demon-possessed person. The people stood up, stampeded out of the building. Seven people were killed on that opening service. Spurgeon said, I'll never preach again. He did. But he went through the troubled waters. I think of Fanny Crosby. Eye drops from a doctor at age six weeks of age. And they made her go blind. Yet she got through the troubled waters and wrote over 6,000 gospel songs. It was John Bunyan in prison for preaching the Bible. Modern day, it was John Wilkerson, our friend who pastors in Hammond. His son killed in a tragic car wreck when he was 17. A preacher boy surrendered to preach, a soul winner, a bus worker, suddenly taken the troubled waters, came into that family's life. I think of Kim Fook, our friend that spoke right here, the napalm lady from Vietnam, as her bodies burned and as a 19-year-old Buddhist, she's sitting in the back of a church and says, if someone will come up and speak to me, I'll believe there's a God. And she went through all those troubled waters so God could save her soul, so she could be a national celebrity and meet the Queen of England and speak on the Oprah Winfrey show and speak on the Today Show and have a platform that most of us will never have. It was the troubled waters. It was the Judson missionaries where he was arrested and put in a cage as they uh, gave the gospel in Burma. He translated the Bible in Burmese and they put him in a cage like an animal and paraded him through the streets and the villages as people spit on him and threw things and tried to uh, 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 stab him with spears. That was Judson. And the gospel is in Burma or Myanmar today because a Judson went through the troubled waters. Is John Bishop, Triple S Youth Camp, the migraines, the paralysis. Now he's blind, but that's why we have Triple S Camp in Arkansas today. I think of a friend of mine. He pastors in Jupiter, Florida. His name's Jim Blaylock. He's never been here. He won't come here. He said, it's not good stewardship. Fly all the way over here, preach one time, fly all the way back. I said, I want you. He said, no, nah, I'm not. You don't need me. 
His son was born severely autistic. One of them has had to stay home with him every church service his entire life. Talk about putting brakes on a family. The troubled waters. And he's still pastoring a large, large church there in Jupiter, Florida. I think of George Truett on a hunting trip. The gun went off, shot his hunting partner. His leg got infected, eventually died. Truett said, I'm going to resign the ministry. I'm just going to resign. He went through the troubled waters. Jerry Pertell, Uncle Jerry, him and his wife in a tragic car wreck, head-on collision years ago. They are still hurting from that wreck. How come? I don't know why, but it was troubled waters. David Livingston, we were there in Africa, and our tour guide, Brother Eric Bowman, took us to this little grave. And Eric Bowman, uh, Bowman is the Africa Director of Missions for Baptist International Mission. And he started to speak, and tears just started streaming down his face. And he said, it's like this on every, in every country. He said, missionaries go to their country, and they leave one of their children, or they leave their mate. One of them dies, and they bury them here. And he just wept. He said, here's where David Livingston, the famous missionary, buried his first child. The troubled waters. Just want to say this. If you've ever prayed, Lord, use me in a big way. Oh, God, use me to uh, do something great. He will. But there's going to be troubled waters. It won't be calm. It'll be troubled waters. I think of Stephen Benefil. I did their wedding here. A year or so later, they're going to have a child. The doctor says there's something wrong. He says it's a rare thing, but the child will be born, only live a couple of hours. Remember all the flowers you sent to them before the birth and after the death. They buried their first little daughter. Then while on the mission field, their second little daughter passed away. And it looked like they were about to lose their third daughter recently. He said, why, pastor? I don't know all the reasoning. But I know he sends his greatest servants through troubled waters. Through troubled waters. Ben Sinclair, our missionary to Africa. He's now a missions director. Bringing his new missionary throughout Cameroon. He's in the front seat of his car showing him the field where he's going to serve. When an assassin stuck his rifle out and shot and killed him. He never got to preach a sermon, never got to win a soul. He got killed in the car with our missionary, Ben Sinclair, the troubled waters. Ben Sinclair came back to the States and he said, we're not going to let this young man die in vain. Uh, God's called him. God's going to use this. He said, Lord, give me a hundred missionaries to go to Cameroon. Give me a hundred. Ben started getting invitations to speak at churches and Bible colleges all over America. He had 100 young men surrender to go to Cameroon and take that assassined missionary's place. I may not know your troubled waters. They may not be real obvious to all of us. 
They may not be public like some are. But God's got a reason for the troubled waters. I'm going to give you several reasons or several, several responses. Number one, don't quit. You don't quit during the troubled waters. That man had been there 38 years. If he wasn't quitting after 38 years, it seemed like he could hang on a little bit longer. It's always too soon to quit. Always too soon to turn back. Always too soon to give up. 38 years. Don't quit. Number two, look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. That's his crowd. Uh, Jesus doesn't fit in at the feast. That's not where he wants to be. He wants to care, uh, 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 rescue the parish and care for the dying, uh, uh, help the broken heart. That's who Jesus is after. You look at his life's verse in Isaiah 61, where Jesus in the synagogue, oh, in Nazareth, I believe it was, opened the scroll and he read, he said, he, he said, he said uh, the Son of Man, or whatever it is, it, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, preach to the uh, bruised. He said, if you're bruised, poor, brokenhearted, he said, that's who I've come for. That's who he came for. Look for Jesus. Number three, admit your need. Admit your need. Jesus said, what wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to do? He wants to hear in your words your need. What is it you're facing? Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus alone. He wants to hear in your words, here's what I'm going through. Here's my trouble. Here's how I see it. Lord, here's how I'm feeling. Tell him about it. Number four, trust his word. You know, anybody could have come around the impotent people and say, blind man, see. And he could have looked up and Nothing happened. Hey, crippled guy, get up. But when Jesus spoke, it was God speaking. And he must have believed it because he grabbed his bed and started to get up. Trust his word. A lot of promises in this book. During the troubled time or the troubled water, it's a good time to read through and start seeing the promises. And, and I'm claiming this one, and, and here's one I'm claiming. And uh, you said this, and I just want to remind you of this. And you did this for them, and you love me as much. Uh, it's okay. It's okay to remind God of His word. What else? And I like this one a whole lot. This has been kind of new to me. Move on. Said the guy picked up the bed, carried it. You know what? He didn't live at the pool of Bethesda the rest of his life. Some people go through troubled waters and that's all they want to talk about. That's all they want to, uh, they want to live there and dwell on it and talk about it. And their whole life is about those troubled waters. Move on! There's some calm waters ahead. You made a mistake. You failed at something. All right, pick up the bed and move on. You got to repeat a class in school. Pick up the bed and sit by smarter people when it's test time. No, no, no. No, move on. You did something in your marriage and you disappointed your mate. Pick up that and move on. Don't just live there. I quote Brother Berto all the time. Sometimes in these AA and NA meetings, people will stand up and they'll give a speech. If, if you've ever been at them, it's like this Hi, my name is Mike. And I'm a drunk. I'm an alcoholic. I'll always be an alcoholic. 
Then you sit down. Uh, here's what Brother Berto says. I'm not a recovering drug addict. I'm a recovered drug addict. God has removed the desire. You know what he's done? He's picked up that bed. And he's just moved on. He said, man, that was years ago. Man, what are you talking about? That isn't me. Years ago, Ben Jordan, he was a pastor. And I knew him for a season. Pastored in Texas. And they were having a family altar one night. He had a little boy named Ben Jr. His boy was maybe seven. And they were talking about God and this and that. It was after church. And his son started going through this box of old pictures. Parents, you better, you better edit those old pictures. Your kids, your kids may find that box. And he was going through all these pictures and he said, Daddy, what is this doing in our house? Daddy, you got long hair like a girl. And his little boy, his lips started quivering. Daddy! You got a cigarette in your hand. Daddy, you got a beer in the other hand. Daddy! Ben Jordan, the pastor, looked down and said, Son, that's not me. He said, It is too. He said, No, that's not me. It is. He said, No, it's not. He starts quivering. He didn't want to call his dad a liar. It is. Isn't it? He said, no, son. Let's get the Bible out. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He said, son, that was daddy before he knew Jesus. And I got saved. I got a brand new life. That is not me anymore. What do you think we ought to do with that picture? Let's just throw it in the trash. It doesn't belong here. It's not us. Need to move on. And then last, tell others it was Jesus. Later on, they found that man and the Pharisees started picking on him and says, you're not supposed to carry that bed at Saturday. You know, Saturday's for cartoons. You know better than this. Who told you to carry that bed? I met a man named Jesus. It was Jesus that got me through the troubled waters. Now, I'll be honest. When I was young, I didn't know much about troubled waters. The older I get, they just come. They just come. He'll get you through them. He'll get you through them. Lean on him. Look for him. I can't look in a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen the next year. Health-wise, job-wise, economy politics, who will be our next president, who she will be. I just don't know. But I know this. He still shows up at the troubled waters. And we'll be seeing him regularly in our life and in the lives of others.